Hello, everyone. You're listening to the Lucky Star Show and Tell podcast, and I'm your host, Lisa Field, owner and director of Lucky Star Art Camp, a women's art and whole living sleepaway camp held annually on the banks of the Guadalupe River in Hunt, Texas. On today's episode, I'll be interviewing Lucky Star instructor Roxanne Glazer. Roxanne is a self-taught artist who sparks joy with her art and illustrations. In elementary school, Roxanne doodled throughout the day, filling pages with imaginative swirls and letters. When her husband and sister passed away unexpectedly, she turned to art to help process the grief and begin rebuilding her life. As Super Doodle Girl, she helps people get unstuck using simple tools and techniques to connect with their creative superpowers. Inspired by nature and her personal yoga practice, Roxanne's art touches hearts and minds with themes of transformation and encouragement. She teaches art journaling, lettering, creativity, and yoga workshops at women's retreats and online. Welcome to the podcast, Roxanne Glosser. Hello, Roxanne. Welcome to the Lucky Star Show and Tell podcast. Hey, Lisa. It's so good to uh, see you and hear you. I'm so happy to have you here. And I'm so happy to have you back at Lucky Star Art Camp teaching again this year. You're one of our awesome stories that where you started out as a camper and then turned into an instructor. And I've gotten to see so much awesomeness from you in the life of our relationship with Lucky Star. And I I can't wait to tell everybody your story and also just to give everybody a little bit more background for you beyond just your bio and, you know, those few moments that we get together at Lucky Star each year. So let's start off with a little bit of a backstory. Where'd you grow up? What was your childhood like? Well, you know, so far I've been listening to all of the episodes and I look forward to Fridays when they drop. And so I've been hearing a little bit of my story in other stories, which I think is the story of Lucky Star, bringing, you know, a group of women together and you listen and you're like, oh, that's similar to mine and that's different than mine. So my story, I grew up in a very small town in Texas, Buckholtz, Texas. It's 285 people. Uh, So lots of livestock. It's about an hour from Waco where I currently live. And so I grew up on 200 acres, um, house on top of the hill. So just by nature, kind of grew up with a a maker mindset. You're a country girl like me. I am. I am. (laughs) So I was listening to several of the conversations. I was like, Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And so I think it's part of the uh, innate uh, kind of the creativity that develops where you have to kind of make do with what you have and use your imagination. <laughs> Definitely. So that's where I grew up. So a uh, family of four children uh, and mom and dad. And so, um, yeah, so just about an hour from where I currently live here in Waco, Texas. Oh, cool. So what brought you to Waco? Well, I came to Waco to attend Baylor University. I was the first in my family to attend a college and I had come to Baylor uh, for a summer camp for debate camp. And so I was familiar with the, uh, with the campus and the layout. And so that took a little bit, a layer of uh, fear away from it. 
And so, yeah, so it was between Baylor and UT. And so I decided that a smaller school might be, uh, I might be better suited to that. And I always joke now, I'm like, I think if I'd gone to UT, I would have had so much fun that I might have like, <laughs> Like for, yeah. I remember you raising my hand. (laughs) I had a conversation with my dad not too long ago, a couple of years ago, actually. I was like, dad, I know I didn't finish college and we spent a lot of money on that experience, but man, I can throw a hell of a party. (laughs) And he goes, yes, you can, babe. (laughs) Yeah, that was, I was like, and even at Baylor, I uh, dropped out after three years and started my first like little business. I thought I could make a whole bunch of money, like painting t-shirts. And so what I did was I was able to lose a whole lot of money and be able to get grants to go back and finish school. So I have a undergrad in English literature, which for a while made me a very funny bartender. Uh, (laughs) And then my master's is from uh, Pepperdine in learning technology. So that's where I get my, the computery part that you kind of did the shout out last year at camp. So. Right. Yes. Roxanne is like a master of spreadsheets and computer systems, all of that. So tell me a little bit about your T I I can't gloss over this t-shirt sales gig that you had in college. Tell me about that. It was, I don't even, I started thinking about that. I was like, how did I come to that? And, um, oh, I know what it was. I had been working at a restaurant and back in the day, if you didn't show up for a shift, you would get fired. That's how it used to be. Like you just don't show up and you would get fired. So I needed to find another job. And I'd heard there was a lady who was doing hand-painted t-shirts. She was a wholesaler. And so I literally would sit for hours a day, like maybe painting the yellow toothbrush. So they were hand painted. They were, you know, they'd screen print the outline, put them on a board. And I would, you know, I was just basically a line painter. And uh, so, you know, I kind of got it in my mind. I was like, oh, I think I can do that. So yeah. So I was like, dropped it. I ended up, I had like two employees working for me and we would make all kinds of just, you know, you can imagine kind of the designs I do, but really big and hand painted and I didn't know what I was doing, but I learned so much. So we oh, would go I'm up sure. to um, Dallas, uh, the market, and we would take wholesale orders, but I had zero idea. So what I ended up learning was like, okay, it takes a little more capital if you're going to be like selling goods. So yeah, so I did that. Like I said, I might have lasted. It was definitely under a year. And so then I went back and I think I lacked like 16 hours to graduate. So, and the whole time, you know, some people would be encouraged. They're like, Oh, that's so cute what you're trying to do. And, but more often than that, I heard of like, Oh, you'll never, you'll never graduate. You'll just, you know, so it was, um, yeah, but it was my first kind of entrepreneurial, uh, activity, but yeah, complete failure. Learned a lot. (laughs) So not a failure if you learned from it. Right. So I have a similar story. I started, so while I was at UT, I started working for a woman who had one of those um, interior plantscaping businesses. Oh, yeah. So it worked out great because around my class schedule, I could, I mean, literally with just a water can and like a feather duster and a pair of scissors, I could go around to all these different office buildings where she had plants and water them and take care of them. And I would just go to each place like once a week. 
And it was funny because I was like, man, this is kind of a great business model, you know? And then I had people start asking me, well, do y'all do landscaping, like outside? And it's funny because the woman that I was working for at the time, her name was also Lisa. And so after being asked this time after time, I finally, one day I was getting tired of school and I was wanting to like go out and work. And one day I said, yes, yes, we do. We do (laughs) do landscape. And I went around and took a bunch of pictures of houses in neighborhoods that I thought looked cool and had a great landscape. I borrowed a truck from my dad and a bunch of equipment, chainsaw included, and like would literally get my cousins, my friends, the a band member who was looking for a job, you know, of a band that I used to listen to. And we would go around and do these landscape jobs. And that was the start of my, that was my first entrepreneurial adventure other than my sticker store that I had where I sold Lisa Frank stickers when I was a little kid from my Yeah, is that how you got outside Lisa? Because yes. I outside okay. Lisa and inside Lisa. Inside Lisa. That is <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's how that's how outside Lisa came about, which is my you find it my personal like Instagram you have, handle. You have that I like that experience and like I said, yeah, the it mine wasn't a financial success, but just the things that you learn each time. Yeah. Mine was not a financial success either, (laughs) but I learned so much. Just like I I learned that I didn't want to be on the working end of a chainsaw every day. And (laughs) I learned that you can find help. Like if you just go out and like, I literally would pick up the guy on the side of the road with the sign that said looking for work, you know, in this area of Austin where it was known, you know, you could go and just grab people like day labor. I would have either my dad on the phone at the time, or I would have, you know, my cousins or somebody in the car in the truck with me. And I mean, that's, it, it was just, it was such a cool experience. And it did also give me that first taste of, like what it's like to have a a blank slate and then really put everything you got into it and then have this finished product at the end that you could be really proud of and to bring people joy, you know, at their home. And did you find, and this is, I, like, I know this is curious here, did you find that it helps to just start doing something to figure out how to do something? Absolutely. Yeah, and that's kind of how I started Lucky Star. Too. <laughs> you know, I'm you giving just, you a segue there. Yes, but I'm yes. I'm always I'm always a proponent of you know just one foot in front of the other and keep forward motion. Sean and I talk about this a lot. Producer Sean, um, you know, with just life in general and giving advice to kids, especially who are trying to figure out what they want to do. Um, yeah, you just know, keep that, that forward was- motion. Yeah, just kind of like to wrap that. My, I remember being a senior when I went back to Baylor to graduate, and I um, ended up with a kind of multidisciplinary. Like I would just take courses I was interested in. And this, my last semester, I was taking a, a, I think it was history of the South. And I remember this professor. Two things I remember. You know, he was just loved to talk, of course, and he uh, his hobby was leather making. 
And so he always had like his leather tools. So in between classes, he would always be tinkering on something. Uh, but then he called us in and the very last day of class, he said, seniors stay. He said, everyone else leave. I'll, you know, see you guys. He said, I want to talk to our seniors. And I still remember what he told us that day. He said, you know what? He said, you're not, you don't know what you're going to do. He said, you don't have to have it all figured out. He said, what's important is to do something mm-hmm. and then to do something else mm-hmm. and to keep doing something. And he said, it's through that kind of that action and that what I would view now and what I teach now, it's like through that creating things is where you learn and where you do and where you grow. And I was so thankful that, you know, to hear those words as a senior, because, you know, you feel like, oh, I need to, I need to know all the things I need to know exactly. And he was like, it'll be okay. You just keep doing. And so that was, um, I've held that with me, you know, throughout life. Yeah. And that'll, that'll get you places. So how did you find out about Lucky Star? I found out about Lucky Star using Google. So it was 2015. Yeah, 2015. I, uh, at the time, was actually looking for a summer camp. I thought I would send my granddaughter to like a, you know, art Mm -hmm. kind of summer camp. And then Lucky Star popped up and then my intention completely changed and said, you know what, maybe I need to go to a camp. And at the time, uh, that was uh, the year that my husband passed away and um, it was just, it was a really hard year. And so I found Lucky Star, I want to say probably March and kind of had this idea and I kept, I'd go back and look at the website and I would kind of dream and there were beautiful pictures on the website and, you know, I'd go and look at it and I was like, Is, will I be able to do that? Could I do it? Uh, and at that time in my life, I was um, pretty kind of isolated just through um, kind of life experiences. So I didn't have a close friend that I could be like, Hey, go to camp with me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and But what I did, I did something really kind of courageous and brave and out of character for me. But I, once I decided, I was like, I'm going to camp. I posted on Facebook and was like, hey, I found this, this camp. I'm going. And does anybody want to go with me? And of course, there were several people who were like, oh, yes, I want to go. I want to go. But you know what happens after the initial Mm -hmm. yes. Sometimes they're like, oh, well, we've got to do this and the kids have this. So, you know, one by one, they kind of dripped off. Well, as it turned out, my cousin, my first cousin that we had grown up together, our uh, moms were sisters, but we hadn't done anything as adults together, messaged me and, uh, you know, you know, Missy, she came the first year with me and she said, hey, she was like, I already have time off. She was like, that's my vacation time. Um, I think I want to go, but I'm not creative like you are, Roxanne. And so that year, you see me, I, was, I went back and so I'm like trying to sell it to her. So I was like, oh, look, you can, um, uh, you can make Learn how to raise chickens. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, she loves chickens. And I think that was the year Lisa Seegers was there. Yeah, and I was like, oh, you can, um, I think there was something, grow your own food in your backyard. Mm-hmm. There were all of these. So I was like, carefully, like, curating your curated class list to the like lifestyle classes. Yeah. So I was like, Oh, look at these. And so she looked and she was like, you know what, let's, let's just 
we'll, we'll do it. And so then as it turned out, camp that year was, oh gosh, six weeks after my husband passed away. Oh gosh. So that year it was, and that's why I was like forever have lucky stars, just a, such an important part, excuse me. And so that first year I probably did, I don't know that I talked much, but I just went and received. Mm-hmm. And so to feel, excuse me, but just to receive like love and support and oh my goodness, one of the first memories I have of camp, well, before we started, I emailed you, I don't know if you remember, probably 50 times because I wanted to be in the collaborative. And I was yes, like, have yes, you yes. people? Who's going to be who's going to be in the collaborative? Are we going to be in the collaborative? And as it turns out, Sean, I believe, I think you were leading it that year. That was the year uh, Kate was one of the other first people I met, you know, and just to, you know, I just wanted to be included. I wanted to be a part of something. And for some reason, this lucky start, like the vibrations of it. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, you will know if you are meant to be there. (laughs) I mean, you will look on that website and you get this feeling. And I was just drawn to it. And from the moment I got to camp, I knew it was going to be important to me and be part of my healing. Well, that was such a great story. Oh, thank you for sharing that. So you, you came along and you dove right in and you were brave to come in the first place, to sign up in the first place. And then, I mean, Missy was brave too, just to, to be like, I'm in, I'm going, I'll go with you. And especially not really feeling like she was creative, because that's one of the things that, you know, can tend to hold people back. So what was Missy's take on the whole thing? Okay, well, full disclosure, because I'm going to talk to uh, some of our listeners, some of our possibly future campers that are coming. So they'll know Missy and I are both off the scale introverts. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so like when I was listening to the origin story of Lucky Star and just imagining like all these women in a room and everybody's talking and and I was just kind of like slightly terrified. I was like, okay, I could do that, but I'm gonna take a lot of deep breaths to get that done. So two completely introverted, like, you know, so I'm like, and I'm like just crushed kind of broke. And she's like, I don't think I'm, and you know what? We just did it. So we, you know, lots of self-talk that first year and it's, it's the lucky star hug. It really is. It's the end to end experience from when you check in and you get your name tag and you're making your bag. And yeah, we had a lot of like little cabin conversations that year, you know, of like, it's okay. Yeah, we can do this. We can, we can do this, you know, and we would go to, and we, we joke now because we've been going this gosh will be our seventh year, I believe going yeah. to camp together. We still, it's our thing we do together of, uh, you know, and we would sit with each other cause you know, you can do anything like, you know, if you make that one person that can right. uh, kind of help you out, but yeah. And it's been fascinating, uh, uh, our growth and definitely she, um, now just is like, you know what, I'm going to explore and just that openness to curiosity to be create without creative 
without so much the expectation of, right. uh, or let me see a way of like, oh, that creativity has a much broader and wider interpretation and understanding. I think sometimes we come with such like, it's this narrow little thing and I'm not creative because my fourth grade teacher, you know, harshly judged something. Uh, And so I think that's probably, um, and yeah, we just totally, we, uh, it's barely even like a, I don't, I think we're just kind of like assume we're going to camp and like, Hey, have you contacted Lori and gotten our cabin? And we're like, okay, this is our cabin. We're going to be there again. So it's been wonderful. Just amazing. So you, talked about, you touched on this, the whole creativity for healing thing. And I know that that Mm -hmm. is, well, it's a big part of what you do now, Mm -hmm. but it's also how you got to where you are now. Can you tell us a little bit about that process and Mm -hmm. how you kind of, how you discovered that creativity was going to help you heal? Yeah, it was, um, I, honestly, 100%, this was a, a, a offshoot from camp that year. Because uh, when I came to camp that year, one of the things I did was I, uh, I took a yoga class with Tiffany. Um, and then I came back and started practicing yoga. And so I noticed that one hour, I would kind of feel okay. And then I would go back to my body hurt. And I didn't know I couldn't make decisions, you know, so that body part, I start kind of working on that. And then the um, following spring, I took a, a, a lettering class with a friend of mine who's a master calligrapher and she was teaching brush lettering. And there was something soothing about that rote practice of the pressure and this scripted stroke. And it it was very soothing to me. I could connect it with breath. It would calm my mind. And then I started to see it kind of connect into my yoga practice. Hmm. So I just was kind of noticing and it gave a uh, it gave me a way in the evenings uh, to kind of calm and settle, and you know I just kept doing it and to be a little more curious each time, Lisa, and it became one of the tools in my toolkit. And I always joke, I'm like, okay, please do not misunderstand what I'm telling people because I go by super doodle girl online. And so don't think that you're going to cure yourself and heal yourself by just picking up a Sharpie and making three little circles on your page. That is not what I'm saying at all. (laughs) So it really is that process. And then uh, diving deeper into it, you know, after 2020 and the pandemic and that really, you know, cause kind of, I was on this healing trajectory and then that, like broke open this whole other part. Uh, And so I've had some really deep learning and processing through that. And now, you know, my kick right now is I am deep into um, kind of journaling and kind of following what shows up Mm -hmm. and discovering there's a way to use the creativity that I teach or the uh, art instruction to connect into that that which is stored in our bodies that might not have words because there are things that we store in our bodies that, um, you know, there might not be a way to write about it or to talk about it, but I've done a lot of work with, um, in conjunction, I'll partner up with therapists and do kind of the creative part and Mm -hmm. they'll do the processing part. I've done work with grief groups and, uh, even in my journal jumpstart course and the stories I'm hearing back, they're like, 
this is amazing. So it's just this simple act and then you kind of can layer onto it. So I do two things. I'm like teaching you the actual doodling and the art part, but then that little processing part. And um, yeah, that's kind of a rambling answer, but I just continue to lean in and use it in, in a deep way for myself. So that makes the difference of when I teach. I'm not just teaching something that, oh, I went to a workshop and I learned this and then I'm going to teach it. I'm like, no, I use this in a deep and authentic way. And right. so then I can share that with others. Right. And you're doing life-changing work, Roxanne. And that's, mm-hmm. and yes, it is a process. And yes, the person has to come to it and want mm-hmm. to walk through it, right? But mm-hmm. You're, you're giving the opportunity for a life-changing practice with yeah. your art instruction as well as your yoga instruction, because now you're also a yoga instructor, right? How, how did you decide to, to go? Had you taken a class before you took Tiffany's yoga class at camp? Oh, way back in the Baylor days, so probably 25 years before, and I'd had a wonderful instructor, an Iyengar instructor early on through a community uh, education class, continuing ed class. Mm -hmm. So I had a really nice alignment foundation. And so when I came to Tiffany's practice and started practicing at the studio here, you talk about a through line that was started waking up my butt because my body had already had some of this instruction. And so that just kind of like that tap root of mm-hmm. here's something. So yeah. And that is, um, that's my style. Like I, something will catch my fancy, you know, and sometimes it will be, I'll buy all the, all the gear and gadgets for it. Right. And then no, you know, like, what is it? Brene Brown says like buying the yoga pants is different from practicing yoga, you know, those kind of things. <laughs> so for this one, uh, yeah, it brought me to it. And I it, it was starting to, I was starting to feel differences in my life. And so I thought, well, I want to uh, deepen my understanding. And that's how they sell the, you know, 200 hour yoga teacher programs. They're like, oh, you can just deepen your understanding of yoga. And so I thought, oh, that sounds good. Well, the first, the first class, you can imagine my surprise when at the end of class, the instructor's giving us homework, like you need to come back and you're going to teach, you know, half Surya A to the class. Oh, wow. I was like, hmm. so I went up to her after class and was like, oh, I'm just taking this for my personal, um, just edification. I just want to like learn more. So I'm not going to be teaching. So I'm not going to do that. And she was like, oh, you misunderstand. This is yoga teacher training. So you are going to do that. <laughs> yeah. So it was, I was an accident. I'm an accidental yoga uh, teacher. I was the first one that actually started teaching out of my class. And then I went on, I'm 500 hours certified. And now I'm the, I have the E-R-Y-T. So I've taught over a thousand hours. Oh, wow. That's awesome. (laughs) And and I I work it into, you know, if you come to any of my lucky star classes, if you show up my online classes, wherever, you know, we're going to do some breathing. We're going to do some grounding. Um, I'm doing, yeah, we're going to bring in a little meditation. We're going to connect it in some way. And that's what I hear from a lot of my doodle classes. Now they're like, I've never been able to meditate, but I wonder if that's what it feels like. I'm like, "Hmm, maybe. Hmm, Why don't you explore that? (laughs) Okay, so tell us about 
the classes you'll be offering this year at Lucky Star? Oh my goodness. Well, this is always my favorite part is to think about what will the offering be? Because as I select my classes, I think about camp and the experience that we're putting together for our campers. And this year I surveyed, I dropped a link in the um, Lucky Star Galaxy and also surveyed all the ladies that are on my mailing list of that have attended classes. And the two that came out with the highest votes, I'm going to be doing a doodle lettering class and then also doing one that's going to be a uh, stamp carving and printing. Those are exciting. So, very exciting about that because the uh, doodle lettering, instead of like teaching just one type of like in calligraphy, they call it a hand. What I'm going to do is teach you, um, like the letter skeletons, like what their bones look like. And then we're going to figure out how letters can move. And then we're going to dress them up and make them your own. So we're going to accessorize letters because what I love to do, and I'll be sharing some of this online is I like for my lettering to be in service of kind of my thoughts or quotes and things. So one of the things we do in my journal jumpstart course is we go on Pinterest, we find some words that resonate, but then we turn them into something cool. So that's what we will be doing in class is this is, I'm going for it this year, Lisa, we are going to, we're going to do a hand lettered quote together. So we'll have this piece that we uh, finish because I've been posting some pictures of that and was like, Hey, would this be fun to do in class? So yes, it's going to be basically kind of making your own style really cool because that's what people want. They like to, you know, because a lot of people, if you want to learn your brush lettering and it'll kind of look like everyone else's, but what can we do to make it uniquely yours? So that's going to be my take on doodle lettering and then the stamp carving. Get ready. This is, it's obsessive to me where you can take, we'll be um, taking our tools and there are stamp carving tools. So, and I'll give people designs or they can create their own. Mm -hmm. And then we will literally carve the stamp and then we're going to be making, you know, we'll probably do a little doodle design with them. Uh, but that's been my favorite thing to do. It adds such a dimension and it is a blast. It's one of the most accessible, simple, like artsy kind of things. And it, it is completely fun. And I love those ideas. It's like when we did uh, a class before where you make the tool that you're going to use to create. Right. With. Yeah. That's like a whole next level of creativity. Right. So, yeah. And they're going to be, uh, you know, in the past, sometimes I've had kind of big kits. These are going to be minimalist kits, just a tiny little um, little supply fee for the doodle lettering one. And the kit for the stamp carving is very reasonable. So very simple So are tools. we talking about like the, um, oh, what is that thing called? The lino carving mm-hmm. tool yeah 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 yeah. there's one I have a there's a speedball one and you yeah. actually have the handle and you have like five or six different types of tools that you can put on the end that give you different cuts and they'll actually store within the handle so it's oh, very small and packable oh, packable I don't know you might have to check that I don't know I have to check the TSA things because oh, yeah. they are tools um so yeah so you can take that so it's the old like if you look up uh linoleum cutting so that was some of the original they would flip over linoleum and they would cut 
So I'll have mm -hmm. some carving material uh, with us. And so it is, like I said, so much fun. Oh, uh, yeah. you can see That's going to be such a fun class. I wish everyone could see it right now, but you will be I posting am. photos in the galaxy this week or on your instructor week. And everyone can start seeing those photos because that little journal is so awesome. It is packed full of color and lots of doodles. And there's a lot of heart that goes into every single color and doodle on the page. And I love that about your classes. So, Roxanne, what do you do in your job? I have, let's see, in my day job, I'm director of marketing and learning for a company that specializes in video communication. So we have three aspects. So our guys upgrade conference rooms and put in microphones and speakers, things like that. We have another uh, part that supports all of those. And then the, the group that I work with, we actually design and support virtual live virtual and hybrid events. So I do all of the marketing. I do a lot of the marketing, but I also do a lot of teaching in that. That's what so I was going to say. You you teach at work as well as in your business. You are one of those natural teachers and you have the kind of voice that people really can just listen to. It's just I always get great feedback from your classes and I am excited. I'm excited to have you back. Thank so, you. My yoga students want me to come and just read them bedtime stories. Yeah, you know, I can see that. And read <laughs> us to sleep. I was like. <laughs> That's awesome. I always end the podcast when I remember to do so. <laughs> by asking if you had something to show and tell, what would that be today? I will tell you, I think I'm not, my show and tell would be my uh, daily creative practice. I started the 100-day project this year and I didn't stop. I'm at a day 120 of 100, so that feels really nice. It's my third year to do it. And this is what's been resonating as I share things on social media is that basically a little bit of something creative each day. And so, so what you're showing me is like some, what is it like three by three, four by four squares? Yeah, three and a half, three and a half inch squares. And I do it in a series of six. So the first one is my attempt to draw something and this has been 120 days of kind of floral ish so I'll do the first day of some type of floral and then I'll do a pattern of it uh -huh. and then the third day the third day of the sequence I'll do it with my left hand what? because that gives you a whole shift if you go non-dominant hand oh, wow. and then working with the pattern so I'll just pick something that's interesting and make a pattern and then my last time that I do it. And so you'll see they're all kind of connected. So I take that theme for six times and then I'll do something just completely funky with it. But I, so this is, if you go and visit my Instagram feed, this is what you will see from like 120 days. Oh it. my goodness. So this That's amazing. I read 
The War of Art last year by Stephen Pressfield and Seth Godin's The Practice. And I decided there were things that I wanted to get better at. And, you know, Lisa, you asked earlier about that creativity and using it as a healing tool. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to get better about showing up consistently. Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, Seth Godin says there really is no talent. It is just work. It's showing up and doing the work. And I've had some really interesting things that show up. So that would be what... Uh, yeah, that. And then, uh, you know, my online classes that I've been doing, that's a great show and tell, but there's nothing to really show with that. But uh, so those two take up the majority of my uh, kind of spare time. And then I hike and kayak and stand up paddleboard. And you go to lots of softball games. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. Lots of cheering on for softball. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, it's been so nice to talk with you today. How can our listeners find you out in the wild on social media? On social media, uh, on the web, everywhere, I am super doodle girl. So you find uh, on Instagram, that's me. The website is superdoodlegirl.com. Also, there's Facebook. So all of those, and then also on Pinterest. So I'll do uh, some collection of boards that I use there to support my courses. So, you know, to make it easier for students to uh, not fall so far down the rabbit hole. But yeah, superdoodlegirl.com. Uh, yeah, that's what I discovered my uh, my superpower is. Just to keep going. <laughs> I love that. So if someone wanted to take one of your online courses, they could find it on your website at superdoodlegirl.com. That's exactly right. I have one that will be ready probably in the next couple of weeks. So I'm gonna, uh, it's um, it's a really nice foundational just to kind of de-stress and give you a little space. And uh, so I do a mixture of some skills and some process prompts for you. Awesome. Well, Roxanne, I've loved getting to talk with you today and to get to visit and get to know you more. And I so look forward to your classes coming up this fall. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Lisa, for having me. Lucky Star is a women's art and whole living sleepaway camp that takes place each fall in the Texas Hill Country. For dates and more information about our upcoming camps, visit our website at www.luckystarartcamp.com or find us on Instagram at Lucky Star Art Camp.